All right. It's difficult, perhaps, to get your brain thinking and get your body moving. So it's a schus, a dear schus for me today, especially as I'm dedicating the shir uh, in memory of my mother, who has uh, passed away. Tough shin nuan, that was 1990. So that's a span of from, from the, today to 29 years. So, Bela Basiel Alevi. Uh, the Pusik that I, I've dedicated other shirim for her, but this Pusik uh, resonated with me this year. Uh, the Pusik says in Yermi, it's actually a couple of psukim earlier to the Pusik that we dedicated last week uh, the, to uh, the Rafur Shalema of, of Mr. Weber. Bifchi yovo uvatach nunim ovilem. This is about Klal Yisrael eventually, as you're going to see at the end of the Pusik. Achieving the geula, the complete nechama that we're leaning about in the haftira and, and, and striving for, and it comes with tears. Tears sometimes are able to allow us to come there. Sometimes when difficult things happen, and there have been many, my mother's death, of course, is very difficult for us to comprehend as it happened so suddenly, but. Many people, when they're faced with terrible things, find themselves in a state where what they, they could just cry. They, they, they turn inward, and hopefully with some sort of reflection. So Bechi does it. Bechi is able to do a lot, as much as it seems to be very selfish and inward, but it's able to crack that, that external cynicism, that external veneer, and it's able to perhaps get us to get there. The Rabbani Shalom, then, once you have Bechi, then the Shara Tvila is open. And as the Malbum points out, Ovilem is almost like God picks us up and moves us. In other words, we're there at the spot through tears, whether it's the tears of, of, of whatever the situation is, the tears can bring us there. But now we need to get to the direct spot and the Tachnunim the tefillahs that we have after the tears can, God can somehow like pick us up and bring us and then we start to walk on our own because once we feel that the Rabboni Shalom is with us and it's, it's not just the idea of God being movilous, like just moving us towards something, we actually feel like we can walk and as real human beings and of course, that imagery is very powerful. The Nachalmayim is, is, is peace, contentment. We don't have, we don't stumble anymore. And even though it's in the past, it's going to be in the future as well. That the Rabbani Shalom is a father for Yisrael. And Ephraim Bechayrihu. Ephraim is the Bechor. And it's interesting, again, Ephraim is sort of a, a term for Klal Yisrael. But it's an interesting term. You probably have noticed it a lot in Tanakh. Ephraim Bechor. Ephraim Bechori who? Ephraim, of course, was the, the the largest of the Shvotim for a while. And in, in Chazal's understanding, it, it represents, and actually it's, in the, it's, it's clear in the Pesukim as well, it represents Malchus Yisroel as Ephraim. And Ephraim, um, somewhat unlike this image that we have of Ephraim as the son of Yaakov who was involved in learning Torah with his grandfather, the Ephraim that, that Chazal 
continued to speak about and what the Shevet was, was sort of like a nationalistic type of uh, Shevet. It was the Shevet that pushed itself out of Mitzrayim before the time, before the proper time. That was Ephraim. Ephraim was the one who built a country, so to speak, sort of devoid of Teresha Baalpeh and other things, but built on a Jewish identity. And I think that this is an important principle here, that we are definitely lacking in Torah mitzvahs in many ways, but that aspect that's called Ephraim, which is sort of a certain pride in our own identity, the Rabbi Nishom recognizes that, and despite our Averis, he says, you're my Bechor. Ephraim, you're my Bechor. Yosef is like Yosef was the Bechor of Yaakov. Ephraim, Gadosh Baruch recognizes that despite the Averis and things. And I think that especially when we speak about people um, you know, Rav Kook Satsal spoke about it a lot. I don't want to make too much of a, a, a too great of a point about it, but uh, the people who built up Eretz Yisrael, the people who felt that they were going to give their lives for the sake of Eretz Yisrael, despite the fact that in terms of their Shemir Samitzvahs, I'm going to talk about the Tshuva today uh, from Rabbi Yoshev Satsal about that, but despite the fact that their, 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 their Shemir Samitzvahs was on, not on a high level, but their sense of their identity, their sense of who they were, their Bunyam Shazal, that's my Bukhar, that's my son. Um, when I speak about my mother, Sholem, you know, she came from communist Russia, and um, she was born in 1919, and she was completely indoctrinated by um, the communist system. When my father, Sholem, met her, she was a uh, she was a uh, you know she was going to become a soldier in the Russian army, and she was completely I don't know how much she was sold to the philosophy of communism. But she hardly knew anything about Torah mitzvahs. I mean, there was Rosh Hashanah and Kippur davenings that my grandmother used to run. But she was completely indoctrinated by by, by the communist ideals, and yet um, she retained, of course, this this principle that she was a Jewish woman, part of Klal Yisrael. She ended up, of course, marrying a former, you know, semi-chassidish yeshiva bocher, and Baruch Hashem sending all her kids to to, to yeshivas. Um, so I, I want to say again, it's sort of a stretch, but that's that's the beginning of Ephraim that has been able to been able to retain Jews from all over have been able to have that beginner. They know who they are, despite the fact that the Torah mitzvahs aren't there. And and part of what we've struggled with, especially with Akoma Samadina, is actually turning Ephraim into Yisrael. because many Jews who have come there to Yisrael are sort of like beginners Ephraim. They know who they are. So Ephraim, this Pesach says Ephraim B'chayri, who Tinaf Shetzer B'tzer Achayim, that's uh, your it's going to be this week. Okay, so I, I mentioned that we have uh, a lot to do with Rebbe Yoshev. Let's start with uh, some Pesachim from his case book. I'll start with something which is a pretty light-hearted one, I think, but I think it, it emphasizes the difference between Rebbe Yoshev and his, and his son-in-law, uh, Take a look, please, if you will, and I call this, uh, we have some pretty stylish long sleeve jackets. So you'll see what I mean in a second. Uh, the Shiloh was asked to Rav Chaim, seemingly first. I don't know, then they went to Rebel Yoshev. But here was the Shiloh. This comes from Rav Zilberstein's Sefer. It's from Chushuke Chemed, but then put into Kabanoki. Um, I'm not sure where, but uh, where it was, but here it is. I'm not sure the original source, but it's in the Sefer Kabanoki. Here it is. So, 
Find somebody for being here. I'm assuming this is an Eretz Yisrael someplace. That there's been a number of Kirov organizations, they've gotten a hundred young women involved. And they've got dynamic speakers coming from some Rebetzin, I'm not sure who, but there's definitely plenty of them out there. However, they needed, they had about a hundred women, they needed a spot to do the Kirov Shir, whatever it was about. And they found a shul that was, uh, that they weren't using the, uh, the main shul during that period that they wanted to run the program. So the people that were involved were wondering because uh, many of the women who are still on their way to becoming religious uh, weren't dressed in what we call what Sneos took away at all, right? Um, so they're worried about what to do. To tell them, hey, we're going to have the program in the shul, but could you please dress more tzniyistic? You know, please appropriate dress. We're afraid that's going to stop everything that they were planning, and they're going to get turned off. So what should we do? Interesting question. Okay, I can ask you guys what you would think. Well, let's, go, let's see what Rukhaim Kanyevsky says. So Rav Zilberstein took this question to Rav Chaim Kanievsky first. And Rav Chaim said that I think we could be Mekel. And Rav Chaim came up with a brilliant uh, parallel. In the other day, in Simon Reish Pebez, about Hilcha's Sefer Torah, it says that if you're traveling with a Sefer Torah, right, uh, Yankee, we've got some uh, decaf tea for you here. And since you're here, I guess I'm going to do a cultural reference right away. You might remember um, uh, Gene Wilder, of course, traveling in the desert and with the Safer Terror. Remember? You think he's traveling with the Safer Terror? What? Frisco kid. The, the Frisco kid. He's traveling to San Francisco. So let's say in that situation, you imagine you're back out in the West and you've got a Safer Terror with you. So um, you can put it in a container, and even though you're traveling on a donkey, I think he was traveling on some sort of uh, Palomino horse, but if you're traveling on a donkey, right, you can actually put the Sefer Torah on the donkey uh, because you're trying to transport it. In other words, if you're afraid that some engines or some other sort of hooligans are going to, uh, you know, try to take whatever you have in the saddlebag, you can actually turn the Sefer Torah into a saddle. You can actually sit on the Sefer Torah because you don't want the Sefer Torah being plundered. Haresh Mutter said Rav Chaim, so you see that the Sefer Torah, you're sitting on it. That's pretty bizarre, right? So, however, that's a great, it's better to do that than to possibly let the Ganovim or the hooligans, the engines, whatever it is, take the Sefer Torah and then use it for their teepees or whatever it is they're going to do for it or for even worse, Right? So therefore, you can actually, says Rav Chaim, even though it's a bazillion, so to speak, for a woman to sit dressed non-sneistic in front of the Aron Kaidish, but you're saving the Sefer Torah. How are you saving the Sefer Torah? Yes, there's a bazillion right now that there's women who are dressed in all sorts of what we call inappropriate ways for that place. However... If you do this, you're going to be able to save the idea of the Sefer Torah because they might 
here this year. They're going to uh, uh, incrementally change and, and, and become people who love the Sefer Torah and everything that it stands for. So that's Rechaim's uh, parallel <coughs> to the idea of, of, um, of, of this Shiloh. He says, In other words, that's a bigger covet, not ripping the words apart, but actually keeping it. So if this is a means of getting everybody to keep it, that was Ruchaim. Um and Rebel Yashiv, and remember we talked about um, like he's you know, we talked about just pure psak, unsentimental poisic. Take a look at what Rebel Yashiv said, and he heard what his son in law had come up with. He said, You can't be mad to this. The Shulchan Aruch says, Not only the Sefer Torah, but the place where the Sefer Torah is. And it says clear, And and if women are dressed in a non-sneous way, that has a shame erva. So therefore, as the Shulchan Aruch says, you have to sit in the safe in the shul with Kaivid Rosh, Beyer, Bapachad. I know some of you are getting a little bit nervous now <laughs> about because we have a face like this. What? 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 Yes, you, you go into that place. You got to go with Kaivid Rosh, Beyer, Bapachad. Why? Because the Sefer Torah and everything represents represents the Rebbeinu Show. So, Lachayra, there's no heter. I freaked. I what his son-in-law came up with he says first of all the Bach disagrees and the Bach says that even B'mokam Sakana you can't B'poyol do yourself sit on the Sefer Torah Whether it hap- whatever happens but you to actually actively the Bach feels sitting on the Sefer Torah it's still wrong but it's clear to me Rebel Yoshev just didn't think that the comparison was accurate it was a very brilliant intellectual comparison but it's not a halacha comparison. So I think this is sort of like, in a way, once again, bespeaks uh, Rebbe Yoshev's uh, approach. And then he comes up with this other approach, which is the title of this little vignette, which is, Yechal Kolem Chalukim Tznuyim. In other words, stand there, and he probably told them, look, again, they're coming in. You say, here, we have a nice... Here we have we have a nice uh, wrap you could wear, right? Come up with some nice wraps. Come up with some nice fashionable jackets and and, and hand it to them. I think that would be the best way. Before we go on to the next case, what do you think? Who would you? Which psak do you feel uh, you, your heart is more connected to? I think uh, again, just to mention my mom again, Olashalom. You know, as I said, she came from nowhere. At the end of her life, she, which was cut off, of course, very suddenly, she was one of the big uh, attending of every single shear she could possibly go to. So um, going to women's shirm was definitely a very important thing. What do you think? What do you think, Ellie? In other words, move, cover yeah. the R, and it's still, Sabre there is still there. In other words, no, no, in other words, put some, put some, put a, put a, put something on. I think it's still canceled. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good eight. So, you know, that would be even better than Rebel Yosha's eight, so you're saying. I know I'm kind of learning now in the elementary school, so they have a base measures during the school year. And they dive in there as an uncolored there during the camp season. It's a lunchroom. Right. And they have a curtain. They have a curtain. Yeah, I would assume. Again, I, I, it's, it's it's interesting why that eight doesn't come up. Could be because that would have been more obvious. Like the women coming in. Remember what's going on here? Why is the safer Torah covered up? What this doesn't count? Um, yeah, what do you think, David? Yeah, this was in Israel. 
Are these shuls, do they have the bracha of the base mikdash uh, put on them, or were they just... You want to know that maybe in Eretz Yisrael, the matrega is called like a mikdash ma'at, stronger. Oh, that's good. David is saying maybe these eights that you see in America are because every base HaKnesses, every base HaMedrash doesn't have the same type of kedusha that it has. Maybe Rebel Yoshev was more worried about the kedusha in Eretz Yisrael, which is of a higher level. Well, I know there's a bracha to say when you dedicate it, and then no, no, many shows in America don't do it, but no, I think no, in I Israel agree. they do. No, so. no, I hear what you're saying. I think that's a, it's a possibility. I just, I, I guess I'm trying to get, you know, I'm not trying to stall for time. I'm trying to get you, again, do, do you believe that... Um, do you believe the Rebel Yoshev's approach like, is a turnoff <laughs> that he should have been not there? What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? It's a big issue with, I think, NCSY with mixed dancing, with Shabbatons, if that's allowed. Right, but what's interesting is that Chaim doesn't just say, Eislasa, so we have to be not there. He came up with a halachic principle. The question is, was Rechaim serious? Was Rechaim just, right? Rechaim came with a. I, I think there's something in Rebel Yoshev's approach, again, to me, that, you know, says, look, halacha is halacha. I understand. You know, but I'm asking you, what do you th- which one do you think is, is? You think practically women would be turned off? It's possible. Rabbi, what, 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 what level of, sne- of sneers is he looking for? Yes, I think that's a sli- that's a slippery slope you don't want to go on. To. Okay. If you're going to say, okay, okay, uh, uh, punch a neckline here. Here's the dress. The other one, no, like, that's going to be much worse. Better everybody. Everybody gets a job. head covering. Is okay. They're, exactly. they're they're girls. They're mostly single girls. They're mostly single girls. Right, that's what it seems right. like. In other words, I don't know if you have to go that bite. Because it could be Sar, even though it's Beisha Erva, okay. it's only time of month. Okay, good. Yeah. Just wanted to hear you guys. Wanted to hear. Okay, that's that's that case. Well, all right. Um, I think we. I, what I would say is uh, gauging our uh, with an informal poll here. I guess we're about fifty-fifty split, right? Most this, or most people are with Rebbeim on this that we should have just allowed it. Yeah. Okay. Possibly. But, okay. What? Okay, so are there any hetero and bikirim for for things like this? Yes, more than more than you know because you're trying to get them to a place. Where I understand. Be, be shown I was As opposed to those who are predominantly. My son was at work in Kampura, and the orientation, the first thing they tell the boys is, you're going to see things here that you're not used to. We have a psaq in our rug. If you can't handle it, now is the time to leave. That's, that's now is the time. What kind of things I mean in terms of the degree of severity? Well, there are kids that are machal shabbos, and sometimes they don't. That's just one example. They don't need to get up for it. But, you know, okay. a kid comes from a background he's not. He doesn't keep shabbos. Okay, they have their ways of dealing with it. But that's right, you're way. right. This does this touches the bigger, I guess, iceberg about Europe in general. Um, by the way, those of you that uh, have been checking out our our podcast website, there's an old uh, sheer there that you might be interested in listening to. It's myself arguing with Rabbi Kalman Warch uh, from Chicago. We're both in Chicago at the time. We're arguing about Kiro, um, Karlbach, Kabbalah. You might find that interesting. So it has uh, it, it's relevant to this to this discussion. Did you, did you say <laughs>
care if it comes back. Okay, there is. Uh, there might be some singing on it. It's about, but you'll hear the recording sometime. Okay, let's go to the next Shiloh. That's a new title for a year, the KKK, Cure of Kalbach and Kabbalah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, the, the sheet, it was 15 years ago, but, but I, haven't cha- I haven't changed that much. Be provocative. I haven't changed that much. Okay, this was a Psach uh, from 1959, about uh, 60 years ago, uh, where we have Rabbi Yoshev sitting with Rabbi Yitzhak Nisim. Rabbi Yitzhak Nisim was, of course, the um, what we would call the Chacham Bashi, or the uh, Rishon Lutzion, he was the Sephardi chief rabbi of Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Tzadik and Rabbi Yoshev was there with Rabbi Zolti. So here was the case. The case was the following: they were dealing with a uh, an, again. They were the um, it, was, it was an appeals case, and um, the the person bringing the appeals case. Before you say appeals case, does Halacha have this concept? Of so Eretz Yisrael created it, and there are, as we, we gave a share about it a couple of years ago, from quoting our Hershenson uh, and other Rabbonim who found proof from the Gemara that such a uh, such a process can be instituted, especially if if if, if the community is makabel that uh, you're able to institute that, whether that's pure halach or not. It seems like Rabbi Yoshev was fine with it because I think most of the cases that Rabbi Yoshev appears in is when he's dealing with an appeal, where he's actually dealing with the psaq of an earlier peasant. So let's see what happened here. Here's here's the story. Um, it happens in 1959, or I'm sorry, but but basically the, the the lower court gave the decision in 57. So he so think go back to 1947. In, in 1947, uh, this couple gets married, and ten years they have not had any children. Now the husband who got married, uh, we're going to find out later in the psaac, had a wife. I'm going to um, speculate that he that she died during World War II, and he has now uh, maybe he was a European person. It wasn't clear to me, but I got definitely the impression that he had had a wife as a young man. Now he was in his second marriage. He had children from the first marriage? And he had no children from that first marriage. His new wife also is on her second marriage. She has a daughter. So, uh, in 1957, almost uh, 50, 62 years ago, um, the husband goes to the Besden and says, I want, I've been married 10 years, from 47 to 57, I want my wife to have a kid. We're not, we don't have any children. And... Halach is if you can't, and I have no children. I'm getting older. I want children. Um, what was her response in Besdin? Well, you're going to find out. She said, "Look, since we got married ten years ago, he has never been able to successfully have a a, a, a erection." <laughs> I wasn't going to say that while you're drinking your tea, but he hasn't been something like that. He hasn't been successful in consummating. He hasn't been successful. I'm the medical guy. Yes, that's true. I don't know. If you ask that on your hot solo call, I don't. That, that, that's a pretty weird one. But anyway, um, it would not be the weirdest thing I've But right, but again, she no, because because she's refusing to accept the divorce. She does. She refuses to accept the divorce. You like that better than what he says? But his time is that he hasn't asked you then. I think I need a cup of tea, please. Uh, yeah, I think. I'm missing something. 
Basically, she doesn't want to accept the get. He wants to force. We have a chamer bein Let me put the background here. There's a chamer bein gershom that not only says you can't marry a second wife. Nobody's touched on the seltzer. It's the best yet, right? The uh, no one. Right? Not only is there a, 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 there's not can't you marry a second wife, but you also can't divorce a woman balkorah. Even though the shilcha tells you you can, but Rabbeinu Gershom made a takana that women can only accept a divorce uh, willingly. So right. So here she did not want a divorce. I assume that she why she wants to live with this guy. This is what Rabbi Yosheb is really going to deal with. You know, can this marriage be saved? That's really what we're also going to deal with. But at this point, I, for some reason, she thank you, Yankee. Pleasure. I hope you people listening did not really come into that bracha because you don't make that. You definitely was in the past. But anyway, well, so let's see what. Hold on, let's let's see what happens. Our place is using microphone. Okay, so. Let's see what she so. Let's see what she said. She said basically he's never been able to have proper sex with me, and therefore that's why there's no kids. The Baal says no. He says I've been able. He says look, I definitely in the beginning was able to live with her and, and have relations with her, but right now he says I don't feel anything for her. He says that's true. The last two years we haven't slept together, <coughs> but um, you know uh, the. Um, we were married for five years, from 47 to 52. I started feeling not right about my whole marriage with her, so I started going to a doctor. Um, and the doctor told me, and I guess it, was, it wasn't a again, I don't know if it was a psychologist or not, but this doctor in Eric Israel said, your problem is her. You're a normal, healthy man, you could have normal relations with another woman. You've got something about her that you, for some reason, cannot Yankee uh, function properly when, with her. But you would be able to function properly <coughs> in another nor, in another situation. What? My name is now getting attached to this. I'm just saying. Doctor available for consultation. It sounds like he was able to do the first time. He would. It sounds like he was able to achieve um, the status. He was able to achieve. The doctor says. He says the doctor tested me. I was able to achieve that status. With uh, in another situation, there's something that I have against this girl, this woman, and therefore, and therefore, it's her fault. She's poor. <laughs> He's with her. There's something about her that he can't overcome, and therefore I want a divorce. I want to have kids. So they called for an official document. This is what he said, the doctor said. But if you take a look at the official document from the doctor, let's see what the doctor says. The doctor says, I did deal with him, and I've shown that this won't work. They will not be able to sleep together and have kids. But the reason is... Because he hates her, he wants to divorce her. So look what he, the doctor says. He's got psychological issues about her that some the talk therapy is not going to work. I don't know if medicine could work <coughs> in those days, but nothing's going to work. Okay. So the doctor said something a little bit different than the husband. The doctor said there's a psychological issue that he has with her. So question is, who's, who's at fault? If she's at fault, can their divorce be given? Okay, so now the lawyer of the husband said, he already knew a little bit of halacha. 
Aloha is that even though a woman is not mitzvah on puri v'rivia, a woman doesn't have a mitzvah for revu. However, if she's living with a husband and the husband hasn't been successful in impregnating her, low sperm count, whatever it is, a woman has a right to say that that I, I, I want, it's true, I don't have a mitzvah, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to get old, I want someone to be my cane. Right? A woman has a right to say, I want someone in my old age to take care of me. So the halacha in, in, in Gemara and Paskin and Shulchan Aruch is that a husband is forced to give a divorce in that situation. So again, let's go back again. The husband was Makayim Puru, possibly. Now he has another wife. But this wife wants real children. So even though a woman doesn't have a mitzvah Puru, the desire the natural desire. This is what we get into here. It's not the mitzvah, but it's the desire to have kids with you, taking care of you in your old age. I know that sounds like somewhat of a foreign concept in there some are, circles today. There are stories about different gedolim telling, telling women, if you just want a baby carriage to, to push around, you know, put a doll in the carriage. But there's, and then there's a couple of, of course, some stories what she wants like that. one second I, I, I miss then you're not maybe I wasn't clear on what I was saying it's not that yeah. she wants the desire of being the maternal instinct she wants to have kids around to take care of her when she gets older she doesn't want to be alone so she might have, she's, she, she might out she might outlive her husband but she's still fertile she wants to be able to produce children that have that connection to her so Allah once again Shulchanarach is that you can force a divorce on a man in order to allow her out, because otherwise she's an Asian. See, she can't get married to anybody. So this is what this is what the hus- the lawyer of the husband was saying. The lawyer husband was saying, if she can say it, and she doesn't have a mitzvah, the husband for sure could say it. So even though, right? If, so I, so, but but the husband wasn't saying he wants the makayim pruravu because it turned out in the Din Torah that the guy wasn't from. The guy stopped putting on tefillin. He's not, he doesn't care about mitzvahs, which is, was part of what the, the, was came out in the, in, in the case. So she's living with a guy who doesn't care about mitzvahs, but she's saying, don't start telling me <coughs> this guy don't care about mitzvahs. However, there's something beyond the mitzvah. We talked earlier about Ephraim and, and, and Yisrael. There's a humanistic aspect of wanting kids. And if a woman can tie to that, a man should be able to tie to that as well. So why, 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 why did she want kids? I don't know. I'm not sure why she... I, for some reason, she wants to stay married, uh, living separately. I guess she got used to it. I don't know. Uh, she's uh, again. Yeah. Sure. There, there are people that like situations. They don't want to be divorced. Tavla Mason Tandu, maybe he supports her. Yeah, I'm not... But, uh, clearly, they don't like each other, which is part of what Eliyashim is going to get into. But anyway... The woman's side, the woman's side said, "Oh, there's a tshuva sign Yitzchok. That's from Rabbi Yitzchok Inspector. That it's based on the mitzvah of pruravu. In other words, that the man has to say that he has to want to do a mitzvah. Therefore, the lower bezdin said, wherever it was, I'm not sure what city it was. Maybe we mentioned it before. The lower bezdin said that." Um, Shitain is he doesn't have a um, because Shitain is that it has to be based on Puravu. But there's still this idea of having children. However, let's take a look. What happened here? Hold on. 
Um, so, in, in uh, 57, that what they said was true. That a, you might want to say a man has the right to say, I want children, even though it has nothing to do with the bits of Peru However, we know that a woman might have a stronger case. Why? Because because um, normally we say, why aren't children happening? Children, without getting into the medical reality, well, there's one svara that if a couple isn't able to have children, it's the problem spiritually is on the man. Because since he has the mitzvah, and the mitzvah isn't happening, it's probably, this is the halachic look at this, is that it's probably a problem with him, whether it's his chusim and shamayim or something. Because she doesn't have the mitzvah. The fact that the mitzvah isn't happening, it's probably the husband's fault anyway. That's one svarah. And secondly, there's a physical svarah. There's a spiritual svarah that can blame the man. And there's a spirit, a, 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 and there's a physical svarah that usually that usually it's the man who doesn't have the capability, right? We don't, we, we haven't seen, unless we've seen some records about the woman's, uh, you know, internal organs, whatever it is, we assume it's the man who's not able to function properly. Even so, all the people that go for like, the IVF also have children. So how do you make a blanket statement like that? Right, but the, the uh, what, what he's trying to say is that this this is from this is what the earlier Besden said that um, they wanted to say that she has a bigger title than him. In other words, here's the question. Let me put it better. Why doesn't the man? Why can't the man say, "I want kids too"? Okay, I'm not for him. I don't care about Peruvu, but I want to have I want to have children to take care of me when I'm older. What's the difference in the man and the woman? So the earlier Besden said the woman might have a greater supposed to be able to say that. Because a woman can say the fault is probably with the man, and I have a chance to be able, here let me explain it better, I have a chance to be able to have kids. And Because probably there's two svaras, there's well, two. Well, she had one with someone else. That's right, which is even better. But even a woman who never had children could say, look, there's two out of, two out of three possibilities are it's his fault. On a spiritual level, it might be his fault. A physical level, it might be his fault. I could still, I'm still young enough. I, let me go and have kids. Whereas by the man, there's two, there's two strikes against him, which is it might be his spiritual problem. So in our case here, in the case in, 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 uh, in 57, the man, it could be there was some, again, the guy wasn't doing any mitzvahs. Maybe God is stopping him from being able to have kids. And secondly, uh, he, he, he might not be able to perform. So you're saying, how about if we could now show, what did you say, to, from in vitro fertilization? Right. Why don't they try in vitro? Again, in this case... In 1957. 57? Yeah, it didn't they, they, they were just developing new methods of fertility then. But the, but the question really is a halacha question. Does he have a right to this claim, I'm not from, but I want kids? That's the I'm not from, but I want kids. So the earlier Besden said that, you know what, we're not going to, uh, as, as far as we're concerned, we're not going to allow him to give her a divorce. Now, um, 
Rabbi Yashiv, however, and his Bezdin said a little bit differently. They said that um, if we know for sure that there's nothing wrong with her, um, and there's a suffix again, whether um, you want to say whether she's going to be able to have a child. Rabbi Yashiv found this tshuva from Rabbi Falakoy in Hamburg, um, the Teres Yukutil, and the tshuva's of Shabbat Kayin. He also that says that um, the Menastam told that we say he's at fault. However, uh, if you look in the Chuba Shavakaya in the Rav of Fjorda, which again is a city in Germany, I believe, um, argued with his father-in-law, this is Rebel Yashem Spikias, and he says, um, if the husband want the husband wants the Makai Puravu, um, why can't we force her to take the get? Now, so let's take a look at what Rebel Yoshev says here, which I think is important. Right? If you have a, a husband, he's not pro, and he wants kids. He doesn't want pro or vu. But maybe we should listen to him. Why? Um, who says you need kavana to make pro or vu? And he, he probably wants to do it. He doesn't want to be left without any children. Now, the doctor says that he's got problems um, and it says over here the doctor actually says he's need to, he needs to forget his first wife he's got to make peace with the situation because this is his wife that he now has so he could have children so therefore the doctor said that he needs to um, I don't know if this was the doctor or the Besden he needs psychological counseling to somehow make up with this wife so he'll be able to, to have children with her. Okay, so he says like this. Revelation says, I, I heard from, when I read the, uh, psycho, the, the, the doctor's psychological psak, I think what we need to do is put this on ice. He says, we need to hear experts about this. The, they talked, the, the first doctor said that he's got psychological or emotional issues. Um, what does that mean? I want to have a, a greater understanding of what his psychological issues are. The second thing is, the woman did say that for 10 years he wasn't able to perform. And even according to the husband, he says, I feel nothing for her. Therefore, Leoshev says, let's get some psychologists involved. Let's think about this. What was the psaac of the first Besden that they came to the appeal? The first Besden felt that she was, that you can't force her to have a get um, because her taina, the, 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 the husband's rights, because he's not from, to say, I want children is weaker, and it could be that he's the cause anyway. So it could be even if he gets married to another woman, we're going to, we're going to, what are we going to do? We're going to force a get on her, and then he'll go marry someone else, and he won't be having kids anyway. Let's just leave things the way they are. But Eliyashev says that, you know, it is possible that with all the counseling, he won't be able to overcome this. And even no matter what sort of counseling he gets, he won't be able to mishtalot al-atzvo. And therefore, he's going to, it's going to be impossible, no matter what, for him to live with her. 
So, he says, we don't have enough information. However, he says, as he goes on here, um, if you're going to tell me that there's some possibility that with another woman, he might be able to have kids, um, that's a good thing. However, there's a more fundamental issue here, and that is this marriage stinks. <laughs> this marriage doesn't have, at this point, a real relationship. So therefore, it doesn't make a difference if it's the husband's fault or the woman's or the, or the wife's fault why the marriage is terrible. Because even though it's the husband's fault, Rebel Yashem says, and maybe it's, uh, spiritually it's his fault, physically it's his fault, this is where I think Rebel Yashem comes down with Seichel. There's no Chayishas right now. So what are you going to do? Go take him to this and that. And it, from what I'm hearing from everybody, he won't be able, because sometimes people get a juka in their head, <clears throat> counseling is not going to help. There's just no way he's ever going to want to live with her. And therefore, you can't change him. So maybe I would say that each side can get a get. And from here, Rabbi Yoshev, uh, you know, crowns it with a cherry. He says that... Um, um, and again, he says he brings here a Chubas Marash angle about a woman who comes to Bezdin and she says that there's something wrong with my husband. Um, that, you know, um, he can't really consummate properly. Um, in other words, um, and he says it's her fault because she's got a, again, uh, she said her womb is small. I don't know if this is a euphemism. And he says, every time I try, it, it, it just becomes like, because there's just something wrong with her, her plumbing there, and it doesn't work. So the doctor said they're both healthy. We don't know why it's not happening. So Marash uh, Engel says, you can't live with her. And, and she needs to get a get. And therefore, she, she deserves exuva. Doesn't really make a difference. But this type of situation shouldn't last. If a couple in their sexual encounters can't consummate and there's frustration, the Rosh Angle says that marriage needs to be, oh, that marriage is not, is not, can't be salvaged. Sir Yoshev says it's the same thing over here. Here it should be the same thing. That uh, right now, uh, this marriage, it, again, it's almost like Rabbi Yoshev saw the uh, the forest where everybody else was seeing the trees, right? Everybody else was looking at the individual. Because, well, look, <laughs> and there says, look, I, I agree, we need a little more uh, psychological intervention, we need to find out what it means, but generally, this is a bad marriage. And again, I sort of would like to think this is sort of like uh, a, a typical Rebel Yoshev uh, approach. And again, it's almost like the other Bezdin was dealing with the Chubas, which were interesting. Rebel Yoshev knew more Chubas than they did, was able to come up with even more Myron McComos, but then you see the brain and the mind saying, look, look, I, I'm not, let's not get into blame over here. A woman shouldn't stay married to someone for some benefit to, from the government, whatever it is, if they're not living together. And, and whether he has children or not, it's really not the issue. If they, if couples that, that can't live together, even though they have physical desire, that's a, that's a marriage that should not, should not be. Anyway, so I saw this as a little bit of a, of, of, of a bigger look at a situation. Not let put it this way. Nobody can outdo Rebel Yoshev in terms of the Marmakomas. He knew them and it'd be better. But he was able to provide a look that I think was even stronger. I want to do one last thing here. 
Um, and I have a lot of beautiful stories that I attached to the email of Meryl Yoshev in his older days. But I want to end with, a, with an incredible story that I, I, I discovered on Shabbos. And this is the case that I call um, stealing from you can save your life. There was speaking about a, a couple that was married. And I guess the husband was a little bit of a hothead. The husband, however, was a romantic. And he decided that he was going to give his wife, and he gives it to her before Pesach, a beautiful ring that, or another type of piece of jewelry. Now, in the, in the hectic hustle and bustle of the days before Pesach, the wife lost the ring. When she told the husband that, he blew his stack. I worked so hard to get you that ring. It was good as this present. You, you're totally irresponsible. I can't believe how, how silly you are. I should never have given it to you. And he starts really haranguing and, 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 public, and, and shaming her in front of their teenage son. And the teenage son listens to this, and he can't stand the screaming and fighting that's going on and how his mother is being insulted. So um, the, the boy, after crying about it, decided what he was going to do was came up with an idea. He said, in a couple of days, we're going to do Badika's Hametz. We always do Badika's Hametz as a family. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to the, to the jeweler who sold my father the original ring. I'm going to somehow get another ring that's the exact duplicate. I'll place it someplace on the floor and I'll discover it by Badika's Hametz and this way my parents can have some sort of menuchas hanefesh. So, um, the jeweler said that it's going to cost some money. The jeweler was very um, sensitive. He says, listen, that's a 2,000 shekel. Uh, you know, it's a 2,000 shekel. It's a 500-hour thing. You know, it's, what are you going to do? I, I feel for you. So he said, you know what? Can I pay it on installments? Now, where was the boy going to get the installments from? So he happened to know that his father had like a, a fund, some money that he kept under the bed somewhere, right? He, he noted where his father was. So he figured what he's going to do is pilfer every couple of weeks. He'd pilfer in a number of shkolim and pay the uh, the jeweler. And hopefully his, and he felt his dad wasn't going to be able to take this. So, no, so the bull... No, he's, so, so he's going to, so, but the boy somehow was in, near Cholon. So I don't know how Rav Zilberstein got involved in this, but some of Rav Zilberstein got involved. He came to Rav Zilberstein. And his shaila was, is he allowed to steal from his father in order to pay the jeweler, in order to save the Sholem Bais, to save the situation? What? <laughs> so Rav Zilberstein uh, was very was very moved by the story, and Rav Zilberstein said that I'll tell you what you don't have to steal. Uh, you know what, I want to ask my father-in-law. I'm going to ask Rabbi Yoshev, but I have another Aitzah for you. I'll you come and come to my yeshiva every week, and if you say over Balpeh a certain amount of Mishnayis, I have a discretionary fund where I can pay you, and that's the way you'll learn Tyre, and you'll be able to have some money. But he went to ask Rabbi Yoshev anyway. And Rabbi Yoshev, I couldn't find this, and again, those either listening can maybe you know send it to me. I was looking for it. Rabbi Yoshev said, it's a mafurish someplace in Shulchan Aruch, that you can steal from someone if you're saving him from a greater damage. 
In other words, Rebel Yoshev's idea is money is part of you. Your life is part of you. Right? Getting hurt is part of you. Rebel Yoshev said if what you're saying is true, that he's embarrassing his wife and hurting his wife, he is opening himself up to punishment by God. Because we know if a woman cries, what that means, and if you hurt your wife in such a way, Demosay Mitsuya, the Gemara says, be careful how you speak to your wife, because when she cries. Isn't that the Gemara with Dr. Mel, he wanted to save himself? So you could, everybody be matzo with someone else's money. Oh, so. to save somebody else. Oh, so that, that's what I was thinking, Mark, that you can't save yourself with someone else's money, but you can save him with his own money. So Rebel Yoshev said, this situation is going to lead to his a punishment from Shamayim. If it's what you're saying, a husband lambasting his wife, insulting her in front of the kids over this, and, 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 and holding that type of anger and keeping it out, that's something that's opening him up. So therefore, Rabbi Yosha felt you could steal from you can save your life. And he says it's in Shulchan Aruch somewhere, and I was also thinking what you were saying, Mark, but I wanted to find where that was. As incredible cook for Rabbi Yoshev here, right? He says, stealing from you, but if I don't steal from you, what's the idea of stealing? There's nothing, money is part of you. Money is part of your bias. There's nothing more precious to you than your own existence. This type of behavior, if it's what's described as accurate, is dangerous to your existence. It's a halachic danger, and you could die, or you could get hurt. God will punish you for that. And that is, so money, that's all part of the same thing. I'm saving you by taking a little bit away in order to stop you from incurring this type of punishment upon you. It's a mitzvah no, it's in other words, it's like I'm taking okay. a little. In other words, it's money is not just money. Money is part of your essence. Right. So m- money is what you invested in that you can now use. So if I steal your money, but I'm saving your life, it's, I, it's not mitzvah bovavera, because life, it's it, it, holistically, it's all part of the same neches that you have. In other words, money is something that you use to help yourself. It's it's a value that you use to better your life, and your life is what you use to better your life. Money is not independent, so it's not like I, it's a mitzvah bovavei. It's a skin graft. Right, that's exactly it. It's a much better marshal. It's like I'm doing an operation. I stole your money, but I saved. That's all the same. It's, it, with you, it's the same thing. So Rabbi Yosha felt the kid could steal the money. I can steal from you to save your life. So maybe times is a kibbutz saving the parents' marriage. The mother is okay. Well, Yosha felt you didn't even need that. You didn't even need that. So anyway, what was the again in the typical Rav Zilberstein fashion? What happened? Of course, the the kid, the jeweler, was able to create the uh, the double, and the facade happened in the Bedikas Chometz that the 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 item was discovered. And the boy said, look, I found it. I found it. And the husband said, Bar Hashem, he said, you know, I was so wrong. The last couple of days I've been angry and I've screamed at you and I've made, I've, I've hurt you. He says, I feel so terrible. I feel so terrible. You know what? I, 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 I'm going to go to my, I'm going to go to my stash. I'm going to get a thousand. I'm going to go get a thousand shekel and I'm going to give it to you and you go buy the present that you want. And the mother said, it's not me. Our son cried so much over it. It's our son's chus that we found that he cried because he was so upset when it happened. I want the thousand shkolim to go to him. So of course the son, okay, <laughs> the son took the thousand shkolim and he, he made the first major payment to the jeweler 
for the lost item. And of course, which uh, the, the rest of it, I think he's studied Mishnayas for. But I thought, again, in this, in, this is sort of, uh, Rav Zilberstein calls this a nest of, of, of Pesach. It's like a beautiful Pesach story. Uh, oh, Henry couldn't have written it better. But Rabbi Yashiv is basically the brain behind it. It says, look, stealing is fine. Okay, Hashem, so, we, so we're able to do all three cases, which is a miracle in itself. Plus, I was able to speak about my mom. She, she should have a lichtig on Hashem. We should be able all to be so at the Tchias Amesim soon enough. See everybody again next week. Okay. All right. Well, plus I was able to speak about my mom. She, she should have a lichtig on aid, Mitzvah Shem. We should be able to all to be so.